Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 313 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we are talking about the uh, Flammeville World Cup that took place in France last weekend. Uh, I, I will, I will just uh, early spoiler: we didn't talk about the ducks. Completely forgot about the ducks on the course or the geese. I think they were geese. So save your emails. Didn't get to that important stuff. I was going to make a Randy Johnson joke. Big unit. Didn't happen. Uh, after that, we um, do some, what do we do? We do some hand-wringing and some prognosticating and I think some bad predictions on what the course is going to be like for nationals. We get, we get all that taken care of. And, and that's, that's pretty much the episode. But before we get into it, I'm going to tell you the normal stuff. First off, I'm going to tell you that uh, uh, if, if you want to get one of the t-shirts that I have, the Cyclocross Weather or uh, Wout Me Worry or Vanderpool Rules, uh, find me at Nationals. I'll have my shirts at Nationals. I'll, I'll be hanging out at the uh, Trek Tent Compound. You can you can find me there, or at least ask ask about my whereabouts there. Uh, other than that, the normal stuff. Subscribe to the bulletin, cxairs.substack.com. Become a member of the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, wideanglepodium.com. And uh, rate and review our podcast. That's always cool when people do that. We haven't asked for that in a while. And send us an email at uh, cxhairsbulletin at gmail.com. That's a good one. Let's get to it. It's episode 313 of Cyclocross Radio. We got Michael and Zach in the media pit. We're talking about Flammaville and the U.S. Cyclocross national championships that are taking place in Louisville and we're doing all of those things right now we are back in the media pit this is how we're starting because we didn't do it last week we didn't we didn't make any declarations last week so I'm starting out this week with declaring answering the question the best cyclocross racer in the world right now is Ailey Ezerbeat come at me come come take a gander at your uh your statement huh you're already making statements bill i'm making statements Wait, I was I was honestly gonna I, jump in you, and say Ailey Ezerbeat so, just so to I derail thought, the conversation, and then Bill just yeah. jumps in and like does it. He, <laughs> that's the problem with this podcast. You can't even you you know you can't even win on your hot takes because they're just like they, they seem to just be the status quo. Well, I mean, I just pointed out in the bulletin Slack channel, LA LA just he's just doing it right. He's uh, what he's the best. Best team in cyclocross, Ellie Ezebreed. I mean, this is with this is with Fem Fem showing up and just like crushing per norm, you know. And, and even even with um, Ailey taking a day off at Tomorrowland, you know, probably having like a I don't know LSD flashback or something from the last time he was there. And uh, 
getting third, but still, just like what he did in Flammaville, I, I'm like that guy. That guy's the best best thing going right now. In I mean, you look at it; it's, it's Ellie, and then it's one, two, three lions, and he was behind all these lions at the beginning of the race. Like, and that's the thing. It's like we were having this whole debate. I, I I was I was joking about how we don't even have rails anymore in the in the green room to to get off of, so this is good. Uh, like we were talking about the best team in cyclocross last week. I mean, Pim Pim could have like solidified that on Sunday. He could have just had that going away if only he was racing forty minutes. <laughs> Bill, are you saying that if the race was one lap shorter, <laughs> then the Lions would still be the super team? Maybe a lap and a half. <laughs> well, I but that was it was also so it, you can look in the you can look in the Slack channel, and uh, I think Jan was making the argument that Ailey was going to, or no, Lars was going to be able to jump up, and it would be good for the Lions if he got third place. So he was going to get ahead of Yoris and be able to get third place. And I just replied, Lars is going to be second. <laughs> and this was like three laps to go. You could see it. You could see the. You could see the wheels coming off. Pim Ronhar is like he needs. He needs that gap because. And I kind of like it because he's still young, and you know. We have this weird relationship with Ailey Ezerbeet, but I think that if you are Belgian or Dutch, he's still, you know, he's in that generation. These, these Pim Ronhar's probably a guy that looked up to Ailey Ezerbeet when he was coming up, right? I mean, that was a guy who was winning everything when he was still a junior. He got on his wheel and he just fell apart. He was like so nervous and just pushing. So you could just see him pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm like, he's going to screw up. He's going to screw up. And then there it well, was. Into the into the into the barrier. Yeah, or like yeah, right. He when it, as soon as Ellie caught up to him, he puts his pedal into the banner, and basically just. But it was because he was just yeah. he was just you could see him just pushing too hard. Like he wasn't he was so smooth up into that point, and then he was like, ah. Seeds seeds lead right to Ellie. Yeah, I don't know. It's a shame. I mean, I I like it. I like seeing Pim going out hard like that. Joris winning the day before. It's just like it seems. As I said early on in the race in Slack channel, you know, another day, another Lions rider out there in the front. Um, but, man, Ellie, just find, finding ways to get things done. Can we have the conversation now, Zach? We're going to keep this off the rails. Can we now have the conversation since uh, um, we have a new containers racer coming, uh, coming online here soon? Can we now have the conversation that, Ailey Ezerbeet is the 2019 Tone Arts. Are you... What's what's the comp there? I mean, I'd like to think that Mikey V will get healthy eventually. I feel like we're might be bailing on him a little early. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good comp. I felt like even with Lars was not fully into GC Lars mode at that point. And for most of the times, it really felt like Tone Arts was out there alone 
Um, but I really, I, I just wonder if, you know, Ailey Ezerbeat, because again, I gotta admit, like, I think Ezerbeat might, might be my favorite rider right now. Love watching the guy. Love, uh, you know, and Bodie, you've been there for the interviews with him. Like, he's a really personable dude. But I just feel like he's probably got a little bit of chip on his shoulder, you know? He's like, he's got, oh, yeah, I used to have the team and y'all were saying that I was just, I was just winning because Mikey V was doing the work. And Ailey's out here and he's just like, three lions you know what i'm gonna drop the other two and then i'm just gonna go ahead and catch the guy off the front and beat him oh and also i totally pummeled the coach's son he's nowhere to be seen (laughs) and he's just like you know he's out there fighting he's fighting it alone and i I mean i just love that you know in that race he was with yoris and lars and literally all Yoris and Lars had to do was stay with him and get in front of him a little bit and mess things up and ailey just dropped them both Lars did that too. He there was one point where Lars like dipped inside, sprinted, got in front of him, and then like sat up a little bit and slowed him down. And and the gap went up. Like it cost him uh, like two, three, four seconds. But you know it was it was merely a a, a speed bump on his, on his way to to Pim's back wheel. Zach, you describing the way Ellie charged through the field in this race reminds me so much. Of Old Boy, the movie, the character in Old Boy, where he's just like fighting all these people like in a hallway. And I don't I don't I don't want to make Ellie older than he is. He's only 26, but Ellie is kind of an old boy. So that's that's my comp right there. And if you've seen the movie, we'll just stop the comparison there. <laughs> True. Okay. So I I was gonna The question that came that I was thinking about this week is we keep talking about who's the best cyclocross racer in the world. And, you know, it's pretty clear who that is, Ailey. Um, But if Bill had if Bill had said fam, you know, my question was, I think the more interesting question right now is who's the second best cyclocross racer? That's a really good question. And I mean, I think this was interesting. We here's my thought about. Yeah, uh, the the one positive of all the world, there's so many World Cups, is that we have so many different fields, right? Like the fields are always different each week, each weekend. Uh, Alvarado sat out this weekend, sick. We would, I would have said, you know, last week she was the second best. Um, maybe on Saturday, was she was the second best racer. But Brand has, I don't know, really kind of come back. I mean, she's sort of a throwback to a Brand two years ago, and. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's my vote. Wait, you voted for Brand? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I would argue that it's probably Ailey. Uh, <laughs> if, but I mean, in the world, Ailey's, like Ailey's first and second. Well, no, I mean, Femme is first. Oh, okay. <laughs> in my, I guess. Okay, we're not just doing the women. All right, all right. Uh, no, no, it's in the world, right? Like that's part of that's part it. of the that's gimmick. The and I, yeah, I mean, you know, like, uh, so let's talk about like in a previous year. Last year, at this point in the season, you would have said maybe Femme is the best, and you know Puck Peterson is clearly the number two. Puck Peterson is not the second best cyclocross racer in the world right now. She, I, guys, I don't even think that she's the second best in the women's field right now. She's riding the struggle bus. We- well, I will argue that this is the problem with having so many World Cup races that we don't see all of these people race each other. And if there were less racer races, we'd actually see these full fields 
coming together because there wouldn't be they wouldn't be so selective in what they're raising. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess I'm trying to find the positive of the of the seventy five. Uh, no, I just it, yeah. yeah. No, I guess yeah. A, I mean, a counter argument that I want to see. I want to see these head to head battles. I mean, I think it's great. Lucinda is uh, you know doing well in these World Cup races, and it's kind of weird. The, how the script flipped from last year when Femme and Puck were like, we're not doing anything but World Cups to this year where it seems like they're doing anything but World Cups. Who's making these decisions? That's what I want to know. I want to know the the thinking behind this. It's interesting because Femme said that she, you know, she's young, so she doesn't want to race twice a weekend, which I thought was interesting because it seems like at some point it would have been the other way around where you're young, you race a lot. Um, and then, but maybe it's when you're early in your career, you race a little bit less that way you can race a little bit longer overall. I I don't know. I just seems like the thinking has maybe changed. Um, but, but Zach, you know, you say that puck, you know, is a little bit on the struggle bus. She's never been off the podium. Let's just make sure that's, let's just say that. Okay. Yeah, but there's there's last year she was beating Femme Van Empel upwards of 40 to 45 percent of the races. This year, she's just getting straight up destroyed by Salen Alvarado. Uh, she did not. She really didn't. I mean, it's just from the look test. I mean, Femme was literally just sitting there at Baum, just riding her bike, taking better lines. I mean, that's a big part of it, too, is like I think that you could see from Baum that Femme's cyclocross craft has really improved. I mean, I, I think Cosmo had a video uh, on how the race was won about this, but Femme was taking these outside lines and literally without pedaling going faster than Puck Petersa, you know, and that was usually kind of the skill set that the, the discrepancy in the two skill sets. And it seems like, yeah, like maybe Femme won't be able to touch her on the mountain bike, but like her cyclocross skills have improved. And, you know, once, I don't know, like once things got going at bomb, it's just like, all right, Femme is eventually going to make this move. But then Puck just kind of like gifted to her by making another big mistake, which she's been prone to, too. So, I mean, I think there's a huge difference between being like, all right, is it like in the Alvarado? Are you, is she racing in the two, t- 2020 uh, Champions League, you know, or is she up in the 2022 uh, Champions League? And I think there's a difference between those. I, I Well, I was going to just speaking of Flamenville, um, the women's race. I'm not I've learned a lesson. It's not you can't make a statement unless you win. So I, I've come to that to that point. But I think something needs to be said about Zach. Zach just passed out. <laughs> By the way, I was watching. I was at the gym today, uh, and you know they have ESPN on, and it was declared that I believe the 49ers made a statement with their win yesterday. So it spreads, Michael. Your influence spreads all the way to ESPN. I, I feel like I grew up watching plenty of sports. So it's this the statement game is a thing that's been a part of culture. I, I'm okay with I'm not I'm I'm okay with seeding that to folks before me. But I but I want to want to come to here in the show and say I think you have to win to make a statement. So uh Marie Schreiber second place Flamenville. We've seen her go out fast before. She held on to it for a really long time and 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 finished in second, a solid second place. Um, I don't know what that is. If you don't make a statement, but you make an appearance, uh, you, uh, here's an argument for, here's an argument for you though. Did you hear her interview? Yeah. 
what did, what was her goal in this race? To not go out as hard and to try. Well, that was her method, but what was her goal? I forgot that part. Her goal was to be the first U23, which is a separate race within the race, and she did it. She won. Yeah. So can she did she did she make a U23 statement? <laughs> I, I, I mean, she beat she beat Loney Benfeld, the other U23 who came in third place. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I love I I, I will say this. If if you all still have access to the to the World Cup race, I loved Marie Schreiber's uh interview. I thought I, I just I I hadn't really heard her talk that much. Um and I, I like it too that they can't like uh she doesn't speak Dutch. <laughs> so so the uh the, the the questions have to just stick with English, which is which is great. So you know they're they're not like just getting the English questions out of the way so they can get to the Dutch ones. Um yeah, but no, I thought she had she was exactly what you said. She was like, Look, I what I learned is that um I can start fast, but I don't have to keep that pace up for the whole race. I can actually like get into that front group and then just sort of relax a little bit and not have to go full gas for the whole race and that actually uh um uh, suits suits me a little better in the end so yeah it, it was neat I, I I enjoyed her i i I became a fan of her this weekend. How cool is it to learn that lesson on a world cup stage to get second place yeah i I feel like that was something I learned like as a middling cat three like like that i was like oh yeah you don't have to go that hard i just i don't know this i just kudos to her for sort of having that talent and uh and and coming through did you like uh lucinda working on her skills late in that race coming down that uh off camera i think possibly on the or the big dip down on the um maybe the last lap where she had to like one leg it and uh go like full-on balanced tripod not to eat it at the bottom don't miss that. I miss no, that. Good. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, kudos to you, Bill, for sticking with it and watching <laughs> the entire race, <laughs> and not enjoying the the waning days of the uh, fast forward button that GCN uh, provides us with. Uh, that's a that actually brings up a good point because I was I was doing some 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 beta testing for uh, for weeks to come, and I did not watch. GCN. Instead, I, I watched the uh, World Cup on Sporza, and uh, was really happy with the with the uh, the feed. I, my, um, you know, it was, it was good to hear those uh, Flemish tones again on on the broadcast. I, my my favorite part was during the men's race when uh, one of the guys was like talking about Ailey catching Pim and he's like he's in the groove or he's got the groove or something like that and then he just sort of waited a beat and the guy said something that only and he was like Marvin Gaye <laughs> and, and then they you know <laughs> about three four more minutes of of Dutch and then you know th- this conversation is still kind of going on on the side and then he's like sexual healing Marvin Gaye and then the guy was like oh so for 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 moments like that, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm back. I'll I'll take the spores of feet again. I want to know, just would you guys listen to a broadcast in in Dutch? Does it does it put you to sleep? Is there something about the Dutch language that puts you to sleep? Because it does. I yeah, hundred percent knocks me out. <laughs> Absolutely, it's yeah. I, I if I have to go that route, if we go back to to spores, that'll be interesting because I just felt like it was this like 
gentle background of like, you know, yeah. the Dutch noise that you don't understand. You understand what every 50th word. Clam bitch. Well, here, here's the interesting thing too. So, you know, we, we always get shit about pronouncing names, but I like they're, they're so in tune to it that it's Flamenville. And then they'll always talk in the same sentence about some of these writers about Fayetteville. So it's like veal to veal, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's changing depending on where, where it is in the, in the world. I'm like, all right, give some kudos for that. This doesn't really bolster our reputation at all, Bill, you describing this with our (laughs) pronunciation issues. Ah. Uh, here, here's, here's one thing that I do uh, since we are just jumping on or I'm jumping all over the place. We were, we, we were going through this theory about second day racing, you know, that like the, what Funston was talking about at, at, at Pan Am's where he wants like some of the bigger races to be on Sundays where in Europe, that's kind of how it is, right? You got the, the world cups are on Sunday. So you're at least in the UCI's. Uh, eyes um the bigger races are on sunday more points more money whatever i i want i want the people who are debating this debating the science versus you know you're better on the first day versus you're better on the second day you know how like when you're in the gym and you do like intervals and then intervals are a set and then if you put together different exercises it's a superset Ailey Ezerbeat is doing this wild superset that is just amazing. That is just destroying. Like you want a, a test subject for this. Is it better to race on the first day or the second day? Here's what we got. So uh, Merck's Blast, Saturday race, Ailey Ezerbeat, second place. Twa, next day, first place. All right? Guy's a second day racer. Next weekend. Um. C2. Courtney, no, go back Urban even Cross. a week. Go back a week before that. Well, uh, but this is like 2 1 1 3 3 1. He's going, he's, he's, he's alternating first pyramid, day, second day, first intervals, day. Yeah. Yeah. Like his better day keeps switching. I mean, he's, just, he's breaking. He's, he's. Just, no, I, but like, yeah, if you go back a week, like Saturday at Neil. Oh, you're right. So even yeah, Sunday Neil at Dendermonda. Fourth. Fourth. And then, so it's one, four, two, one, one, three, three, one. So we should, okay. Just, so he's he'll, destroying all of, all of our science. He'll win. Oh, yeah. He'll so win if you want to bet on race. him, he's going to win the Saturday, the next yeah. Saturday race. Okay. I like that. That That's good. Although it's, I'm not mistaken. Isn't, is Wout racing this weekend? I mean, I know I wrote a story. <laughs> he is, yes. I can probably matter. pull doesn't this matter. up. Yeah. How, it doesn't matter. He's going up against the best cyclocross racer <laughs> in the world, Zach. <laughs> he doesn't know about LA Superset. Come on. He's got this. There's a science to this. Bet your money on Ellie at Essen. Is that it? Essen? Essen. I'm in. I'm all in. Why is Wout why, why come Take back Take all of my Essen. euros. Isn't Essen the actual robot, robot line crash? The... Yes. Oh my gosh, you're right. It is. Saturday is the Wout miss. 
so that will be I was curious yeah, yeah I was gonna I was actually gonna try to uh look at some numbers before the podcast but um i have a job that i don't hate and keeps me busy now so i did not have time to do it at work but i just want to jump in and can we and and obviously the you know things don't necessarily probably aren't backed up by this can we can we call yours mr saturday i like it so he's got three saturday wins so far this year uh hasn't won a world cup but he's won three saturday races so can we or is it too soon is it too soon uh you know does it, it much in the way that we named Swack Mr. February? I, I think why isn't there? That's my proposal. I, I, no, I love it. I like it. I, I'm Mr. Saturday. I'm all for it. I like it. Um, Mr. Saturday night. Uh, why isn't there a, a cyclocross constructors cup? Why don't we have team standings? If you're gonna have teams, you should have team standings, right? Okay. So how would you how would you do this? So would it be your top points. three just, just total points. aggregate? Like, yeah, you could do top three, like top three, top three guys, th- top three guys from each race, yeah, or guys or, or girls, or, guys, men and yeah, women. Yeah, we could even do full team. No, I, I say full team. Okay, so maybe, I mean, a lot of them still do that rule where they don't have to have as many. Is everything? Did that go through? Did the whole where UCI was trying to force the women's team to have men on them? Did that happen? Well, uh, are there any? Cam are there Mason's any all, on Cyclocross Reds? Yeah. So, are there any all women? I don't think there are any all women teams anymore. Are there? No, because um, Inga's on Corinden now. Well, Inga yeah. and back and backer, and so that's a mixed team. You're right. Mason's on the Reds. Yep. Yeah. Who? So I, I, I think you should do this. I think it should be women's and men's together. Top two of each. I like three, though. But is there three women on every team? Well, you could. I mean, if that's if if not, then I would I would even I mean, I hate to make them unequal. But what if you want like three and one? Yeah. Or if you don't have a third one. woman, then you don't get the third place points. So your points are lower. We're going. I do think. Yeah. You have to cap it at a certain number of riders, much like cross country does. It can't just be aggregate points, like right. I, that's that because that's like the UCI standing. It's like all right, you did the most races or whatever, and UCI rankings don't really mean very much. So I like this idea of doing it cross country style. You know, top three are in the points or whatever, and then yep. we could work something out. You could do top two women. I mean, that would incentivize teams to carry a better women's team. You know, if you were taking your top two or top three women, like. Hire more women. Every time we see Yoris win or be at the front of the race, I I, I think it back to what you were saying, Zach, about how uh, Eric Bruner was going toe to toe with him back at Major Taylor, and uh, I I feel like sometimes riders do race up or they maybe they race down to the level of their competition sometimes, but it is it is kind of crazy to see you know a rider like Yoris at the front winning these races. And to think of where that comp with Eric Bruner is. Andrew Strohmeyer was sprinting with Pim Ronhar at Tabor last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the U23 race. Hmm. Well, that's, I, so, I mean, that's a good, uh, a good point because I think, you know, we've seen from Bruner that on a dry, fast American course, like he can literally, he can bang with them the best. He, you know, he can hang with the Europeans. And I, these courses were so, the the conditions were just so challenging on both of these courses at bomb 
Uh, I thought, and maybe this is because of the conditions, it felt like the course didn't have as much flow as it did in the past. It had a lot of those big sweeping downhill off cambers, like at least three of them. It's like, all right, guys, I think one wasn't maybe two. You know, but they just kept doing them. Uh, but, it, you know, it was kind of like that. It was uh, the the frozen stuff on ice. There was the melty stuff on the frozen ground. And so there were heavy speed limits. And then, you know, I felt Flamenville was muddy and you kind of had to like really string together sections. And it was just it's such a different kind of racing where you're not just gripping it and ripping it. I mean, I, you know, as a cross racer, I love those courses because it doesn't, you can kind of check out, you don't have to be as mentally engaged. And I just kind of wonder if that's really the difference for Bruno, right? Is, and for so many of these American riders is getting to be able to learn how to mentally engage and just string together 60 or 50 minutes of like not making mistakes, but carrying speed through junk and stuff like that. And it just, um, I don't know, just thought that just, came to my mind because like you said Bruner can hang with these dudes if it's favorable conditions for him is this your segue into usa cycling national championships uh let's do it i mean i was gonna i was gonna tip my cap to Bodie actually for for making the segue so can we do like a teamwork teamwork segue yeah no right, let's do right. it i mean I, I don't think there's anything bomb i mean cam mason we kind of talked to him about him but second place i think that was that was notable and other than that i don't know yeah, yeah you know i have one more thing you know i have one more thing of course okay. yes the, the, but this is to go off what zach said talking about bruner in this in these these european fields do you guys know what happened to magali because she was up there at flamenville she crashed, but like what like what was the reason for the crash? I didn't she didn't say why. Like it was a pretty steep drop. Okay. You know, it was the same I think it was the same place that Sane went down, possibly. I know I'm gonna be corrected on that. But it was something, you know, she was like, I did it correctly six times and got it wrong once and she just kinda went over her handlebars. It looked it looked <clears throat> it looked like a pretty pretty solid whack on the ground when she went down yeah so i, I you know yeah i guess it's kind of a bummer because she was looking good she was like just making her way up into that that chase group and um seemed like she was hanging pretty well with them so i think yeah she i think she was pretty frustrated after that one uh so i have one little stat tidbit uh, i was noticing uh on the podium for flamenville you had listen to brand she's 34 uh, and then you had Marie Schreiber and Leona Bentfeld, 20 and 19. So I was like, oh, what is, you know, what's the the closest the in age when you add up second and third that you get to the to, to first? And I remember Jingle Cross 2017, the Saturday night race, Sonny Gilbert won, Claren Hansinger was second, and Sofia Gomez Vishafani was third. And so Sonny was like, tw- I think it was like 38. Clara was 20, Sophia was 23. So that was a difference of five. So we're coming close. And then I was like, all right, Sven in his last year must have won a race when Wout and Machu finished second and third. And it's true. There might be more than one, but the first one that I pulled up at Coxida in 2015, uh, this is probably the closest you'll get between these two. But Sven won. He was 39. Wout was 21. And Machu was 20. So that's a difference of just two. I I think it'd be hard pressed to beat plus two. Well, it, for the Jingle Cross, we were talking about that. The one that kind of stuck in my head. Oh, but maybe she didn't. 
win it. Oh yeah. Uh Katarina, okay. Katarina Nash 41, Mags 25, Ellen Noble 23. So that's 48 and 41. So seven. Not yeah. as close. Uh, if anyone knows a better one, but I was I was just happy. I just went straight to spend last year. Yeah. No, that was I good. was like, that he was won perfect. Coke Sida. Yeah. The the correct two riders finished second and third. That was a great I race. I was like, I re- need to look at no more. I appreciate this. So uh, anyway, distinctly but, yeah. remember good that day for finish. the kids. Yeah, yeah. Good, good day, day for, the, for kids. the kids. Marie Schreiber second. Uh, Leona Bentfield third. Both their highest spots in the World Cup. Also, Schreiber breaks up a eight-person, eight-Dutch-woman finisher. Yeah, we can go to. I was I was looking at the um, at the flags. Flag watch. Yeah, flag watch. Laura Verdon shot for the women for Belgium. First non-red, white, and blue flag in eleventh place. Bodie, where are streaks at? Oh, streaks? Went, who's streaking? Who's streaking? Uh, let me uh, let me pull up the most relevant. You know who's streaking? Bruner, four in a row. Uh, Zuzana Kristala, a Polish rider, uh, three in a row. And Brand, second best cross racer in the world, two in a row. Mackenzie Myatt, Canadian, down there in Georgia, knocking up two wins, getting on the tally. I actually, this, this, I'm glad you asked this question. I know we were talk, going to talk What's about- What's Femme at? What's fam? She's at fourteen. She's she's a leader. She she didn't have a new win, so I didn't she I didn't say her. Um, you know, I enjoy putting these streaks together. I like I like reading about these Polish riders. There was a Polish guy, Marek Konwa, won a bunch in a row, but Mike, Michael Boros went back to Czech or Slovakia or whatever, and, and you know beat him. And but you get to kind of like learn about some riders who are, who are up and coming who are then come over to you know Benelux region and race and do well. Um, but I was really thinking about some of these, some of these streaks, some of these wins aren't the same as the others. And I was like, how do you really measure strength of field? And I don't know if there's a way to do this. The only thing I could think of is you could total up the UCI, uh, ranking points in that race. And that could give you a number, which would be the strength of field. And you could judge that. Bill doesn't like that. What do you, I mean, I, I was curious. I, really I would do. I would say. I would. I would. I think that's actually a really good idea. I mean, I think you could do it. I would do like top five. So kind of like a really kind of janky, um, quick and dirty version of whatever Collins algorithm does to determine what your score is going to be. Oh, and that's I didn't know the, that. Okay, the score. Uh, but I had a question. Uh, Fem won on Saturday. Yeah. So I just want to make sure she got added. Okay, you said she didn't add any new ones. I just no, want to make sure no, that was added. Yeah. So the latest tweet was from Sunday night. Okay. So she did right. add one on Saturday. She's at 14. Okay. Closely approaching Voss's record. I, I, I like a streak as a streak. A streak is a streak, but then you can have more data and you can you can look at the strength. No, you can do that, but you were like, well, field. it's not. You were trying to wait. I, was, I think the people who were like racing maybe not as strong fields, but still winning should deserve just as many accolades as the people racing. Oh yeah, this is this is not this is not take a, as long as as long as it's a UCI race. Yeah, right? UCI race, elite yeah. elite race. UCI is UCI. Yeah, not taken away from anybody on this list. Just more data to look at it. 
because specifically because you're I just don't want you to be turning into college football here. Oh, see, that's exactly what I was thinking. About. Do you know? Yeah, the college football playoff was selected. Uh, yeah, my my team, my team, I own it. I own the Oregon Ducks. They're my team. Uh, they lost in the pack the last Pac-12 championships to the Washington Huskies. So of course now I want to see the Pac-12 team beat the SEC. Yeah, you're going down, folks. Okay, let's 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 move off of college football. Sorry about that. Should we go back to nationals? <laughs> yes, nationals. Louisville, here we come. We're back. We're They're back, back in Louisville. They're back in Louisville. Uh, so we've seen right part of the time honored tradition of being a cyclocross fan is a course preview of it trickles out, we post it on the internet. And everyone bitches about the course being too flat and too boring. And this is why American cyclocross sucks. It's a tradition is time honored, probably since the early date when CX hairs was founded. This is part of the tradition. Um, I don't know if you guys have found another, another course preview video, but the only one that's currently available is, and I'm sorry, you know, I don't want to cast too much shade on Drew Dillman and USA Cycling, but it's literally just looking at the ground. Like, you can't see anything. I don't know anything uh, except that we saw a map, uh, and it looks like we're much closer to the 2017 Pan Am's course without all the cool part in the bowl, call it the bowl, right? The climbing and stuff. And for whatever reason, uh, I was just curious. I wanted to – I was on YouTube and for some reason Nationals from 2018 showed up on my feed. And I was like, I'll watch a few minutes of this. I'm just curious how – I was curious how White and Hyde got off the front of that race. I can see why maybe they took out the climby hilly parts because three-quarters of that course were unrideable. And I just kind of wonder if they're doing weather – weather – is that water? That is standing. I'm showing a photo of the mud and standing water on the um in the venue right now, and that is why it probably it's a flat course and not a hilly course. What do you mean? What do you mean? You and go here, down here's hill. the other thing. It does go. It does go behind the that building still. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, there it was a lot of action. There was a lot of action on there, and then on the far side, and then that big climb back up to the top. Um. Uh, Bill just showed us like three inches of standing water. Um, okay, with more with more rain forecast. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I'm prepared to really bitch about the course too much because, like, I I I just don't think that the course in 2018 was good. Uh, it's cyclocross, but like, if you can avoid, if you can learn from what you did in the past and avoid having a track meet, I feel like you should probably do that knowing there's a good chance. Right. And two, if it rains at all during those days, it, it, you know, like if it rains at all during nationals week, it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. You have six days of racing on these courses or whatever. Like that's the thing. It rains. It doesn't, it doesn't really get better. Who are nationals for? Juniors, juniors, juniors well this year they are i sort of like what is i if you are if you are racing zach you when you are a i mean you still are but when you are racing you're a cat two racer you're racing every weekend you're training you're training a lot you're putting in all this time 
you're not doing UCI races, but you're still doing probably the end of the day race in your, in your local series. Are you thinking I'm going to nationals at that point in your cyclocross life? I wasn't. Are some people? I don't, I don't, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, who is this for? It's just getting to the bare bones of the national champions. I know what we look at. We look at Sunday. Sunday is like the important day, right? That's what. Well, we no, I think see. it's we for wanna... it's for masters, men, and juniors. It's for masters, men, and juniors. Because that's at, who's showing up. Look Should at the field sizes. I mean, well, no, no, but I'm saying, look at the field size. Who's racing? Older master men, and there are a shit ton. There are 400 juniors signed up for Saturday's races. Like those races are like. Stacked full. So I'm not, I'm not being facetious. Like, you know, it's in the OVCX and it's an area that has really strong junior programs and they come out. I mean, we've seen that the last few nationals that, you know, juniors are racing, but I, I always thought it could be both. I mean, isn't, isn't that the purpose of American cyclocross? That's what sets it apart is it can be for, you know, folks to come out and race nationals and see how they do come experience it as a master's racer. But then it's also about the elites, right? Like, it's a really big deal for the people who are quasi professionals uh, who do this sport. And I don't know. I like the, I like the being two things at once, you know, again, the, uh, the duality of, of cyclocross to borrow a thing from Sergeant Joker and full metal jacket. It's the duality of cyclocross bill. You got a cyclocross pin on your uh, (laughs) helmet. Yet your jersey says "Born to Kill." <laughs> but yet, yet your bike says "Gravel." Um, I, I, to answer your question, Bill, I, I, I mean, there was a point um, when going to nationals was an end of season goal for me as an amateur, um, because there was the first there you had to become Cat Three, right? So it was like, okay, well, I'm a Cat Five, well. I would like to be nationals next year, right? And so there was a goal, and and once you got there, it was it was a just big, huge party, and like it it was sort of that that dual purpose. Zach, I agree. You could show up, and then you could watch the pros do it, and that was I enjoyed that aspect for a few years, and, and especially when it was in Austin, it was closer to us, and we had a community around there, and, and so it seemed really feasible and i think the idea would be that you know wherever the nationals would go you would have sort of a local regional buy-in to these these early days and that could sort of be lead up to these events at the end um but i mean i will say like when it was in madison i know a lot of people were like it's in madison i'm gonna race nationals yeah i think it can be Uh, i think it can be a good goal for folks i think that Unfortunately, I think in some areas, though, like, you know, cross is 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 kind of is dead at the USAC level. And maybe not completely dead, but it's a lot lower than it used to be. Obviously, we've talked about that. So then I then it's like, I mean, no one's talking about nationals in my area right now. Like, whereas five years ago, it was a big goal and a big thing. Where are we watching? Are we going? Yeah. That's 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 kind of what I'm, I'm trying to get a temperature here. This was a weird way to start this conversation, but just of like, has nationals lost a little bit of steam? And why I asked who it is for is because I'm looking at Wednesday. I'm looking at Wednesday of this week, the national championships. We're giving away national championship jerseys. 
on Wednesday. And I think Zach brought up a great point. Like when it was in Wisconsin and you saw this, there were a lot of people from Wisconsin who were racing because Wisconsin and even, you know, they come from Chicago also, right? Feeding into that. There are vibrant cyclocross scenes in those areas and they were supporting it and you're getting big numbers. I just picked out the Masters 60 to 64 men, which is amazing. There's almost 50 people in this race, 48 people in this race. You go back 10 years, this race is like two people. So that's just, well, that tells you a lot. One, it tells you where the, yeah, where that bell curve has sort of shifted over on one of the most popular times of cyclocross in the U.S. was fine. The other thing I'm looking through this Masters 60 to 64, 50 person field Guess how many people are from Kentucky? Uh, 50%. Eight. Zero. Oh. Zero. 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 No regional buy-in at that age group. Wow. Nothing. And and this is kind of like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it, this, it concerns me a little bit because you look at that day. And again, I don't want to concern troll, but let's look at that day. We have the biggest fields of that day are... And they're all amazing. Again, it's amazing that these people are showing up. 35 people in the 65 to 69 men. 34 people in the 70 plus. That's mind-blowing. That's that's, it's just insane. That's pretty crazy. Well, it is. Well, it but, is great. But it, wait, here is, here, here's the problem. That is amazing. That is just uh, the women's masters 60 plus has 13 entries that's going to be one of your larger women's masters fields 60 plus on a wednesday awesome here's my problem masters women 30 to 34 same day eight entries masters men 30 to 34 19 entries masters men 35 to 39 same day 13 entries, 35 to 39, 13 entries. That tells me your sport's not in a good place. That tells me that it's, it, there is, it is too hard. There, are, there is too much of a barrier. It's too much of a, dare I say, privilege to be able to race cyclocross nationals when you have to pay $180 to go on a Wednesday to travel to Kentucky to race nationals. People can't do that. Well, like you're ho- paying that money to go do a gravel race, and that's on a weekend. I, I, I think this is just a fundamental problem we have with nationals right now, with the people that have to go to work can't go to nationals. The people who are retired are showing up in droves, or the people who are juniors and I guess can get out of school and their parents will take them are showing up in droves. But the people that we always talk about that we're missing – Ain't showing up. Do you, Bill? Do you think that's and this is probably this is I know this has been discussed the last ten years. Is that is that a schedule thing or is that like if you put thirty thirty fours on a Friday, are they going to come versus a Wednesday? Like, well, here's my thing. It also costs twenty five dollars to get into the park if you just want to watch. We don't see that at a lot of nationals. That's even more than what a or right around what a World Cup in Europe costs and they're used to paying for it. We're not used to paying for it here. You're not going, I know you get the whole week for that, but I'm sorry, American racers, you're not the same draw that the whole European field is for coming and watching a professional sport. So 
it's not really for the spectators. It's for the racers. It's always going to be for the racers. So if you're going to do that, or if you want it to be for the spectators, then you just have the elites. And I'll just go back to this. And I know it costs more money. And I know organizers are like, you can't do that. But they should bid out amateur cyclocross nationals and elite cyclocross nationals. And then you can put some of these fields on the weekend. And you can maybe, hopefully, I don't know how you do it, lower the price a little bit of the entry fee. Well, I, I feel like you're kind of burying the lead a little bit. I mean, I appreciate, I know that you're going to go to the price, but like we've seen big fields on Wednesdays in Masters Men 40 to 44 and 45. Like I opened the page. And so I remember when it used to be like 85 to 100, it was like 85 for amateurs and 100 for the elites. And we're like, people would be like, that's highway robbery and horrible. And it's like, I mean, you're going to nationals, I get it. I opened up the registration page and I had not done so yet. $185 to race a master's race. I mean, we do the collegiate kids a solid and we only charge them 150 The juniors, $140 for junior men, 11 to 12, 25 minutes of race. Like, that's insane. Like, that is not a sport that I want to participate in. Like, this is embarrassing. Like, this is... Just that it's a, that's crazy. Say that again, please. Juniors met junior 11 to 12 years old. Is it, do we know it's 25 minutes of racing? 25, yeah, 25 minutes. minutes, 25 minutes of racing, Two laps. hundred and $140. What, what are we doing? Like, $5 what is a minute. This? 5. What are we 6. doing? I want to know for the collegiate racers, and if you are a collegiate racer who listens to this podcast, do you pay that or is your club or school paying your entry fee? I'm actually curious about that. I assume you have to. but I think that if they are there to race cyclocross and they are get on a scholarship, then they're not paying that. That's kind of their obligation to go and do that, and that's not, Got it. That's not on them. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm sure that's not. For, for clubs, I'm not sure that's for everyone, though. But you're right. Like, I mean, so I think a handful of people, if they're masters, they're like, I have a chance at winning or podiuming. I'll go. But it's it's not for that much money. I it used to be like, all right, cool. I'll do a trip. It's fun. Like, it's an experience to go to nationals. Usually riders will have a really good year. They're like, I'm going to finish it by, you know, nationals is my goal. But like the cost of travel, you know, everything's more expensive now. But then to just that it's kind of insulting how expensive it is just to race. Like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, like there's not as like compelling of a draw to like to do that. And I've defended it in the past and I've always been like, look, this is what we need to do. This is supporting the sport. But it's just like we've gotten to the point now where the numbers don't support that price increase. And I, I know I know I'm part of the problem is there is no federation budget to do anything in cyclocross. They they've said this. This is not a secret. They are not supporting cyclocross at the amateur level at all. Zero zip. And they're not even covering it at the elite level either. The only thing that USA Cycling is supporting in cyclocross other than the world championships is junior racing. And and some U twenty three, but predominantly junior racing. That's 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 where the money is, and that's just the reality. That's what we've talked about for years. This is not an Olympic sport. It's not a support that is going to get um, 
money from the federation. So the the answer is then, and I think that you know you can kind of speak to this, Zach. It's it's kind of I think that we have to sort of reexamine what we're doing and look on the amateur level back at grassroots racing. You, you know, and that's kind of where the sport has to grow again and, and start again and try to get to rebuild kind of from the grassroots uh, on up to where it was a decade ago because this is just I don't know I want to be hyped up for nationals I want to look forward to it I want to look forward to these Sunday races you know we'll talk about uh, the entries there as well but just looking at this and I had haven't really looked at it that much it's it kind of bums me out just just seeing where we're at seeing that there are people don't have the opportunity I think to race or they have more of an excuse now not to race that, that we are, we're always talking about, Oh, cyclocross is losing out to gravel. And now we're charging gravel prices for a cyclocross national championship just seems, I don't know. I wish there was an answer to, to change it. And I know these things cost a lot of money to put on. I get it. I know that, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I, I wish there was a sponsor out there or somebody that could subsidize some of this. And I know that's a lot of wishing, but man, it just, it seems like we're kind of in a dire spot. I feel like you teed up something that I have to do lest I be able to show my face in Chicago with cycle crushes in the future. Cause we just did the, the fun, different opening. Uh, I went over to annual race on Lake Michigan, Montrose CX. I talked about it last year. I hyped it up. I, I I mean, look, the World Cup at Waterloo was probably the best race of the year. I mean, it's tough to beat the vibes of the sequel bar and just how many people. Like, I've been to a bunch of UCI races. Montrose Harbor was better than all of them. It was a local race in Chicago on the lakefront. Just amazing vibes, such great positivity. So many people coming out, heckling. There's sand and stuff. Like, the organizers did a great job. And so to your point, like, if I'm a, a person, and there, I saw so many people from – not so many, but I saw people that I know from – bike activism stuff were like, I'm going to come watch a cyclocross race. They're like, I'm like, oh, I come out there. They're like, God, no, I would never do this. But they come out for it. Uh, And that's the kind of thing where if I'm a person, I would come to that race and be like, I want to be a part of this. And I I just think, I I know it's hard to do or whatever, but I just think of like some of these UCI races. I'm like, I don't want to be a part of this. Like I had to cover it. And it's just like, man, this is dead. Like, I'm sorry. It's just kind of the way it is. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to them. I really enjoyed it. I was actually more excited for nationals <laughs> coming off Montrose Harbor because I had one of my best afternoons of the year, you know, in like 40 degree weather where it was like super humid, but whatever. Um, but all this to say, I think you're right, Bill. Like we got to do something and it, it's not going to come at the UCI level. It's not going to come from USAC. It's really about somehow building local scenes and getting people excited about the sport and kind of what you're getting at. I, with prices like this and the way things are going, I don't know that nationals are part of that. You know, I, I felt like it was in the past and we talked about too, though, like the live streams on flow, flow bikes, like hardly anyone pays for flow bikes. It used to be like, and I, I know they need to do the money thing, but like, the live stream was something that I could be like, hey, people are like, what would you what is a cyclocross? And I was like, why don't you watch this free live stream of nationals of this sport where a bunch of people are really excited to be there and there's pretty good crowds and that's pretty cool. And we can't do that anymore. It's like for the niche of a niche of like people who are paying for flow bikes. Like, 
what's the viewership of the Nationals race is going to be? A hundred? Will they get 500 people who watch those live streams? There are people who don't watch any other race of the year. Like, that's the only bike race that they watch all year long and you're telling them that they have to pay $150 for that race. There used to be parties. There would be parties. Like shops would do parties for this stuff. Like groups would do parties. I would go over to my friends before I started doing this and we'd watch nationals. We'd do fantasy. We would bet on it on nationals. Like it was a big freaking deal. And now it's like if you wanted to do that and be like, do you have access to the stream? I don't have access to the stream. I guess we're not watching nationals. Like it's disappointing. Here, here's my thought on like dying scenes and like the change of like what you're doing. Um, we had a series in New Orleans. It ran for five years. It hasn't been a series since 2018. And in fits and starts, people have tried different races, standoff, and we're at a point now where there are no, there's no USAC sanction cyclocross racing in New Orleans. Um, you know, it's a city of 350,000 metro area of a million. Um, and like, and like, no matter what we do, you, they're literally, all we have is the community. Like, well, so we put on the, a lot of races get put on very banded, like underground, unsanctioned, you know, very low infrastructure, zero infrastructure it's all in the honor system the turn is here you turn right here then you turn left there you know the course that's what it is and like every time we have these races we have a blast we have a really good time with each other there's all but there's always the thing like well, well where is everybody else at you know like how do we get more people to come to this race and i'm like i don't know man i've tried everything i could to do to get more people to come to these events i, I ran out of ideas all I know is that you, you like this 10, 15, 20, 30 group of people are here and you're here every week. And that's awesome. And I kind of like I've come. This is maybe this is like sad. Maybe this is like not even like like encouraging. But it's like I've realized that I don't care anymore about those other people because I can't reach them. And all I have is the folks that come to these events with me. And so it's like I'm just trying to like how do I like make what we're doing for each other and stronger like how do you build the bonds that are already there and make them better and that's like sort of my only way i see forward with sort of this with cyclocross really and i just we, we had there was a race this weekend and i'm gonna get some shit because i actually didn't go because it it rained a ton and i just said i don't been there done that i woke up i heard the rain i was like i can't i can't deal with it there was a race the next day i was like i'll go to that one but people went out and they did it and they were like oh my gosh i had to run half the course and my bike is like it's destroyed and i was like and they're like it was a blast and i was like that's awesome i'm glad you had a good time like and i'm glad you did it i'm glad there's still that spirit and i showed up the next day and i was and we had a blast again it's like but once again i come down it's like i don't know how to bring new people in like all i know how to do is is encourage and try to nourish what you already have. And maybe that's what I'm trying to say is like embrace what you have and take care of it. And maybe at some point it'll go in momentum because people will see what a cool thing it is. And you just got to try to share that, share that joy and love in a sort of positive way. I really like that. That was super well said, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I agree. I like it too. And, and I think that's, that's right. And it's, it's, it's true. Also what you're saying is that the problem, one of the problems with our sport, especially this time of year 
is it's a hard sell for people. It's a hard sell for you to go, okay, strip basically naked and go out there in the cold and rain and ruin your bike. You know, but it, if you do it, it's fun. Look, I, I went to a race this weekend, Cap Cross Classic in uh, Lake Fairfax Park in Virginia, put on by Bruce Buckley. And uh, I, I'll just, you know, great fields all day long. There were 50 people in the single speed race. The single speed field was bigger than, well, almost bigger than the UCI race we had last weekend. You, you know, I mean, so it's, that's the grassroots that, that we're talking about that. And that, that still exists. And everybody that did that race can loved it. It was hard. It sucked. They were running a lot. They were sliding all over the place. They were sliding down the soft camber hill. But afterwards, I mean, everybody, you know, was talking about it and doing it, but the, the thing that I see with that is that very few of the people racing that and very few of the people racing the whole day were new. And that's, that's what I don't, I don't know what we did in 2003 to 2010 that you would see these fields. Like we'd see them at DCCX cat four fields. There wasn't a cat five didn't exist. 150 people everybody doing their first race and then they stuck with it and they did it for several seasons. I'm not sure how you capture, put that back into the bottle. I, that's, that's, that's kind of what I, what I struggle with, with cyclocross right now. I know that, the, I know it's out there. I know the, you know, the people in the Pacific Northwest are like, we're still going strong. We're still doing it. I'd say, I salute that and I thank you for it. And I'm glad that it's happening. I know there are other places that still have those kind of numbers, but and you can yell at me, New England, your scene is a, a, a shell of what it used to be. Like New England used to be, everybody would talk about New England cyclocross and we have, we owe so much to New England cyclocross. New England cyclocross is not what it used to be. And the numbers still aren't there. So, you know, th they used to tell us how we were supposed to do cyclocross. So maybe I should look to them, to those folks to tell us how we get cyclocross back. This is our nationals talk. Should we get more positive now and talk about nationals? I don't know, Bill. We're in an hour. I think the show is over. All right. Okay, okay we're done. Okay, good. <laughs> I am. I mean, look. I say it every year. I am looking forward to going to nationals. I, I do. I, the, the, that was a shock to see what I saw, and I think that we have. We are up against some issues that we've known for a long time. I do think that the the prices are getting a little out of control, uh, and and I. But again, I don't. I don't have any solutions, so I can complain about it, but I don't. I don't have any solutions. Should we? Should we talk about what we um, are looking at on Sunday, Zach? I think we can do that. Uh, well, so one thing. I mean, one one change is that it used to be the single speed race on Saturday uh, night was kind of like the I don't know the appetizer. I liked it more than some other people. I always enjoyed that part of uh, the weekend. They moved that to Friday. Uh, so I actually like this change for all of the reasons. Uh, so we have the junior 17, 18 men and women are going to be on Saturday afternoon. And so we'll only have four races on Sunday, which I think is good for media and mechanics and team directors and everyone else involved with this because we're not cramming six races into, into one day. Um, I love so this change. That's happening. I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. I think you're right. Up. I think that's it'll great. be like, it has to be this way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, where do we want to start? Uh, Zach, just quick correction here. There are five races on Sunday. Let's not, let's not 
forget <laughs> the 10 and under non-championship race. And let's not forget that that race was free. Okay. All right. But we're not giving out jerseys. And so somewhere there's nine and 10 year olds who had no motivation to race any cyclocross this year. You say your laugh, but when they changed this, and I think it might have been at Louisville Nationals, it was either Louisville or Hartford was the first one Hartford. that they did away Hartford. with it. There were literally people saying that their kid had no motivation to race cyclocross that season anymore. Uh, so I only, I'm only being partially uh, facetious. Two folks from Kentucky in that race. No, the 10 and under. Where do we want to start? U23 women. U23 women. Oh, sorry. I forgot about the juniors. I just went to Sunday. It's all right. We'll just, um, we'll just do the – well, should we look at the juniors? Bill, you've been on the junior scene. Hit us. Yeah, I have yeah. been. I've, you've been, I've been. You've been uh, – <laughs> Making a, you've been making amends. You've been been atoning for your years. You've been working that beating junior. So, I feel like you could just. I'd feel like you could tell us the names to watch better than than Bodie and I would be able to do. I will tell you the the names to watch here. Uh, Vita Lopez de San Roman is probably your favorite, and she actually had some nice races in europe as well did well in, in dublin so she's she's right up there uh you got a pair of Alyssas that you want to watch Alyssa white Alyssa sarkisov they've been on pretty much every junior podium um uh lydia kuzak another one who has won several races and is up there i think those are probably your favorites for for that uh junior women's race i think that um uh vita probably leading the pack but you know pretty pretty closely packed in there and and especially in a messy race it, it could be really interesting to see the junior men is david thompson racing that's exactly what i was looking for <laughs> he is all right so anyway uh so we're playing for second. <laughs> yeah, I, I sorry, you know, junior David, men. <laughs> right, Dave, David Thompson is is um, uh, uh, he, truly a man among boys. When you see him out, out there racing, the guy the guy's a talent. He's you know AG two R U nineteen uh, rider. Uh, Taylor Jones made this uh, made this good point that I, I I didn't figure out until he mentioned it. If you see all of like AG two R's. New jerseys and everything that you know everybody's concerned yeah. about the the brown. No brown shorts. But do you know who's? Do you notice who's in all those photos? No, I haven't. For the riders, it's like it's David Thompson because they're doing like new riders in the kit. He's the only one who's not under contract with another team, so he's actually free to wear the new kit without any <laughs> any penalty from from his current team, which was it's just kind of Good funny. For him. Yeah, he's in our miles miles Matt, Mattern. Uh, Looking good in there. Henry Coot has come on really strong uh, this season. I think those three are probably your favorites in that field. Uh, and Bill, we have one of one of the great Bill moments when I think we were Bill and when you and I were still uh, getting to know each other. George Frazier is in this race. 
uh, in like the, it was probably like the junior 13 to 14 race or something. It might've been at Louisville. So he's a local kid and he uh, fell at the barriers and Bill was on the mic with Scott Herman and <laughs> Bill's like, Scott, there's only one thing that can be said in this situation. And I think it's story like Scott was like, what, wait, what, what, what? And then Bill, Bill jumped right in down goes Frazier. <laughs> Y'all can go YouTube that Google it, figure it out. A, f- a great, it, thank you, Zach. A great moment in my, in my, um, my announcing career. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now we get to the U23 women. You all, you all know some of these names a little, little better. Uh, we got Lizzie Gonzalez showing up now, racing for CCB officially. Um, Kaya Musgrave has been going strong this year. Ella Brenneman has uh, been racing well. I'm missing but, a name. But oh, there she is. Okay. If you go by Pan Am's, your is is your favorite Lawrence Erner for for this category. There she is. Okay. Um, well, so that's a great question. All time, all time in UCI races and Lizzie and Lauren go way back. And actually I remember, uh, Reno nationals, Lauren beat Lizzie. Um, but the previous year in Hartford, Lizzie beat Lauren. And then I believe in Louisville, Lauren beat Lizzie all time. In UCI races, at least. 29 to 12 for Lizzie Gonzalez. But, but, Lauren Zerner is on a streak. So she holds the advantage 3 to 1 this year, and she's streaking right now in the U23 battle. Hmm. I, Lauren might be the favorite. That's what we're trying to get at, at least in terms of these two racing against one another. I think it'll be a, I would call it a toss up though. I would definitely call it a toss up between these two. I'm excited for this race. I'm, I'm throwing Ella Brenneman in there too, just out of muscle memory. She already won a, cha- a national championship as a junior in Louisville. In Louisville. So love it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, Samantha Scott signed up for this race. Um, she hasn't really been racing that much. Cyclocross uh, signed to a pro roadie team so um i think I, it'll be interesting I, I guess she's showing up she's on the she's on the start list so that that could be a little uh um unknown unknown factor in there all right u23 men well i somebody else take the lead on i this. gotta give it i started off with a shout out to uh my boy colorado state champion nick carter that's Yep. He's going he's going to win it. I mean, I'm just looking at this. I think that this Ooh. is perhaps the most intriguing race uh in terms of the the fields. I mean, you've got uh, we saw, <laughs> oh my god. We saw Dylan Zakrajek uh race well at the elite level. I mean, <laughs> Jules Van Kempen has raced really Wait, well. Zakrajek. I want, I want, I want Bodie, this. I want Bodie to do it. Do Zekri- it. Come on. Zakrajek. God damn it. <laughs> Zakrajek. The Cry check. check. It's a cry check. Roan Pimracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's no more. It's no more. Too bad, Pim. 
Um, uh, you've got last year's U23 champ Jack Spranger in there. You've got uh, Marcus Shelton is a rider whose name that we've been covering winning. You've got, you know, Dan English is showing up. Like, you get Jules. I don't know. I already did mention yeah, him, but yes. Yep. We got Owen Brenneman in this field. I mean, we've got all kinds of riders that we've been talking about all year at the elite level. And um, yeah, it seems like the the chance of like, who are you going to pick? I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't know who I'd pick to win this race. I think it uh, could go any, any way. I think it's any man's race to win. Carson Beard showing up in this one is the one that I think is uh, worth looking looking at. Um I don't, I don't, maybe Carson, let's, let's check cyclocross 24 here because I don't know how much cyclocross Carson races, but he's a darn good, uh, mountain biker. He's in the system. He's, uh, he raced once. He got a uh, 12th at Hartford. So, but maybe, but you know, Bill, I'm, I'm scrolling this U23 men's list and I'm looking and I'm scrolling and I'm looking and I feel like I'm missing a name Ooh, that I would have thought would be in this field. I could have sworn he was U23. Mm. Um, Showtime. Andrew Strohmeyer? He's not on Not there? in the he's U23 pre-reg. Is he still huh. in Europe? Is he still over racing in Europe? Is he pulling in Emily Shields and just skipping nationals to stay over in Europe? I mean, he might have gone back. I'm pretty sure he was on our flight coming home, but you never know. He might have just like jumped on the next flight down. Andrew Strohmeyer's racing in the elite. Oh, hey! everybody, everybody had that question. You know, they were all. I was getting that question every week. I was like, is Strohmeyer racing U23 or is he racing elites? And um, I don't know. I think uh, he pretty much made his decision pretty early in the season that he was racing elites, but it wasn't. Didn't really feel the need to tell anybody. wasn't wasn't really holding it back as a surprise. I mean, once he registered, which was um, when did he when did he end up registering? People should have known for a while, at least a week or so. Um, yeah. Oh, he's been on there for. He's going to be in there. Eleven. He's been on there for yeah. a month. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Guess we should have checked. Yeah. No, we haven't even thought about you know. Stromai. All right. Well. So let's jump into the elite men. I mean, since we, you know, I think the discussion has been, well, pending Strohmeyer, like three dudes. Uh, we've got Bruner, who he very much, uh, Bill, I think when he was chatting, I don't know, chatting with both of us or something, he was saying he's definitely got a, I mean, he was chatting with you. He's got a little bit of a, a little chippy chip on his shoulder about not winning that race last year. If Curtis White, you know what? Let's give a shout. Curtis White has been a phenomenal representative of the Stars and Stripes. If you see that man uh, interact with anyone, if you've been at a race, like I feel like he's been a phenomenal ambassador for the sport as our national champion. Uh, and he's and he's been winning late later in the season. He's been uh, putting up the Ws in the in the Stars and Stripes. Four wins. Four, is that a streak? That's a streak. A four wins. Yep. All right. Uh, and of course, as I these words come out of my mouth, I realize that Funston is listening to this, and he's he's taking and printing out a copy of this podcast and putting it up on the wall. So I think we're really talking about four. And Scott, I apologize. Please feel free to use that as motivation uh, this weekend. Who's the fifth? Gage checked. 
No, well, what does it include? What, Gage in there? And what's Gage done for me lately? <laughs> well, he got third at um third at uh Pan Ams. All right, five ahead of ahead of, ahead of Curtis. Fine. Then Kenny is six, and we'll throw Lance Haydet in there in seven. Who else are we talking about? I think that. I think, okay, I think you're pretty good there. So, uh, right. quick, quick corrections corner. Um, Curtis White had four wins in a row. He 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 got fit to Pan Ams, and then he he has two in a row right now. So, whoops, he should be on my tweet. Apologize to my street tweet fans. Okay, right now we have. Louisville, we have a course that for the elites, they have roped off a good section of the elite course not to to try to stave off the last time we were at Louisville where it was just chewed to pieces and it was just a running course. Also, you don't have as much elevation. However, we do have conditions that are similar to the last time we are at Louisville in that it's already saturated and it's just going to be muddy. I think that's almost a guarantee. I'll be happy if it's not, but I think that I think it's going to be slick and it's going to be mud. With all of that in mind, knowing knowing the players we have here, we got Bruner who is despite that chip on his shoulder has been branded by people in this room as a bit of a fair weather racer. You got Curtis White, who has been branded by people in this room as more of a mutter. You got the happy fun ball, who is just the, the who knows what's going to happen, but, but racing well. Had a good trip to Europe, racing well. You got Strohmeyer, who was super strong at the beginning of the season. Maybe... You know, looking for that mojo again since that time, trying to trying to find those legs to to get it back, but definitely a factor and definitely a pretty good win percentage against everybody in this field. And then you have a guy like Gage Hecht, again, maybe not the best in the muddiest conditions. However, he did win on a slick course in Tacoma. And maybe if he got like the right tires on there this time, I think Pan Am, he was kind of, kind of maybe equipment wasn't great, but maybe it wasn't. He's in there too. All of these, all of these maybes, all of these factors. Michael Bodingheimer. Who you got? You didn't even mention Kerry. Kerry was, Kerry Warner, Kerry was going to win gravel Tacoma, and, but then Gage crashed him out. Let's not forget that. <laughs> the tape crashed him out. <laughs> um, dual, yes, right, Gage Smith. Okay, all right. So, I just, you know, you thought you brought up the conditions from 2018. Who was at the front of that race? It was Stephen Hyde and Curtis White running together, whispering sweet nothings down in the bowl to each other that only us photographers picked up. He's also... As you said, Demer, Mr. Captain America, I, I'm 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 leaning towards Curtis. I'm feeling like these conditions might be for him. The greatest, the greatest cyclocross nationals motivator. I mean, any national championship, but definitely we've heard it over and over again in cyclocross. Nobody wants to be a one-hit wonder. Yeah, for sure. 
you got you know you know that jersey adds a couple watts you know i'm not gonna say 50 because that that would be a huge difference at this level we'll say three to five the the jersey that he can't wear for the race yeah yes good point that's a really good point bill <laughs> but still it does he's gonna wear wait he's gonna wear in his warm-up and his pre-ride okay all right so he'll save he'll save those watts and yes no he won't expend as much all right zach men's elite national championship 2023 yeah so i was gonna jump in and be like oh i bet bruner raced well in louisville but he didn't have a super great race in the u23 race in louisville i think he might have might have won collegiates i think he won collegiate club uh that year but didn't do super hot uh, lost to Spencer Petrov and Brand Fix in the U23 race by a decent margin, but there were decent margins everywhere. Uh, I mean, you guys make a cut. You know, I always want to say that it's not about the weather, but I, man, it is just really hard to look at the uh, body of work of those two gentlemen and not conclude that it really matters in their battles against one another what the weather is like, right? Like, there's just no way around that. Um,. I didn't think about this. I haven't really thought about this. Now I have to make a choice, huh? You've thought about this. Um, well, I, d- I didn't know what the weather was going to be like. Uh, I am going to go, I'm going to say Bruner wins because he has something to prove. Because uh, he knows that we're all sitting here and being like, I don't think Bruner can do it in the mud. Uh, so I think he's gonna. I think he's matured over the last year. I think he's learned from the disappointment of Hartford. Uh, he's gonna come in dialed in, and uh, he's gonna win. I'm gonna say, dope. So you can call me Homer, and I'm going with Andrew Strohmeyer. Yes, I love it. I mean, I I support. I back you on your backing of Strohtime. Yeah. The big dig. Got to do it. Yeah, for and sure. Look, I, I think if we – I know the USCX was a long time ago at this point, but if you look at that as as how how he can race, and I think that – I think I haven't talked to him. I don't know what his game plan in, is, but I know what it has been every race that he's been in. He's like, cyclocross is hard. You have to make it hard. I think that you are going to see fireworks from the start, and I think that – that is something also that uh, Bruner and Funston kind of, that's kind of their playbook as well. That's a gay tech playbook. I think if, I would say if I'm Curtis White right now, you better be ready to go all in at the start of that race because it's going to be 150 miles per hour from from the time that, that those lights turn green. But yeah, Strohmeyer. Strohmeyer and the Stars and Stripes. You got me excited, Bill. That's good. That's why we got all the other stuff yeah, out of the way. Yeah, you got me excited now for the now race the now. I, I think it's going to be a really good race. I'm, I Say it again. I'm excited. Is that- all right, elite women. Let's do it. I mean, I'll just come out and say it. Like, I think that the choice here is how many minutes is Claire. I think the, the, the choice is how many minutes is Claire going to win by. Um, I mean, I think that we were discussing it seems like your podium – uh, is pretty well probably going to be some combination of Katie Klaus and Raylan Nuss. I mean, just look at the start list. You know, Emily Shields is in Europe. Uh, Taylor Cook-White is not on the start list. Uh, I think it was, I want to say it's like five of the top seven finishers from last year's Nationals are not racing 
in this it, elite nationals are not racing in this race. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like a big unknown, like after that, but you know, I think Clara has shown that she's the best. Uh, this race means a lot to her. She's been winning it by pretty big margins. I think, was it like three minutes, two years ago? And I think she won by a minute and a half last year. Um, so I, it, It'd be tough to see a scenario where Clara doesn't win this race. Although, I mean, there's a chance that I think Katie Klaus uh, could potentially make it interesting early. You know, Raylan Nuss certainly did a great job of that last year and really kind of put a good first lap blow. You know, Clara was kind of trailing and having to do work early on. So it'd be cool to see if uh, Katie Klaus or Raylan could uh, make it interesting. But I don't know. It's tough to see anyone but Clara winning this race. Yeah, I think I'm... Be bold, Bodie. Be bold, Bodie. Come on, do it. Go with an upset. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll pick Katie Klaus. I, I think that... She, You're going to look like a genius. Yeah, exactly. You got to do it. I, put put it on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, next year, Tulane is winning the College Football Championships. Um, Katie Klaus goes out hot, gets a good gap, Nuss follows... Clara is bogged down in some mud, has a flat, has to run to the pits. The gap is too big for Clara to bring back. That's how it happens. Katie Klaus, national champion. There is no Saturday. There is no Saturday race for Clara to race. So that that makes me feel good. So she's only <laughs> racing on Sunday. So Therefore, obviously things have progressed, guys. Um, but we we literally we have a comp. We have a comp for Bodie's bold prediction. U twenty three nationals in two thousand eighteen. Now, to be fair, Clay Klaus was only seventeen. Um, but also to be fair, Claire won by two and a half minutes. And uh, Katie Klaus hasn't been training. Uh, checks notes on a world tour team uh, for the last couple of years, like Claire Hansinger has been doing. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think Clara kind of played her schedule great where she came in, was not feeling the cyclocross legs, was still able to eke out some some wins, but also, you know, was feeling a little cracked on day twos. I think she's just gonna come into this flying like she has in the past and it's not even it's not even gonna be close. And I think that I I'm glad that we got the size of the women's field that we have. I would um I I and nothing against anybody who was in this field. And we talked about Katie, Erica Savetta, you know, we know can, can go fast. Amelia Shays had some, some good races out there. You know, we know Raylan of course will be up there. There, there are other people in there that, that have raced well, but I don't think we can really argue it's been that competitive, uh, at least for the field that we, we have here. So, yeah, let's see how it turns out. Let's watch those uh, women's U23 really closely because I think in the coming years, it's that their elite field is going to get really strong again. All right. We're going to be in a we'll, – we'll be out there. I'm, I'm driving on Wednesday, going to go catch some collegiate races on Thursday, maybe hang out at the zoo some, and then uh, I'll uh, meet up with Zach on the weekend. And, um, yeah, that's – that's it. Next time, next time we're going to be talking to you post nationals. Before we go, Zach, I think you need to go back to the wide angle podium YouTube channel and queue up 
Cyclocross Television 2021 CX Nationals Elite Men. Okay. Eric Brunner, some people said you can't ride in the mud. Some people said it and they were wrong. See you next time.